Little Mermaid's not allowed to be black. Absolutely it's not. Fucked up. Absolutely not. It's it one. It's uh, unscientific. For, <laughs> <laughs> it's unscientific for someone who lives quote under the sea exactly to be black. Exactly. Are, are you kidding me? Like, let's assume. Let's assume she occupies maybe the mesophilagic zone of the ocean. <laughs> Presuppose that covers from 200 meters to 1,000 meters deep. Okay, Light okay. is barely reaching down there, and if you go lower, you're in the uh, bathypelagic zone, the <laughs> midnight zone. How are sun rays supposed to get there? How are sun rays supposed to get down there? For all for all the all the times that black people make fun of me for getting sunburned because of their melanin <laughs> and their adaptations to sunlight, are you kidding? You're trying to tell me that Ariel, Ariel, a mermaid who lives in the ocean where sunlight doesn't reach, can be black? Uh, Ariel was the last beacon for whiteness. This is incredibly last unscientific. Beacon of, of, of Nordic tradition. I, I can't stand with it. I need I need realism in my mer- my mermaid musical. <laughs> <laughs> that is the rhetoric that you would have heard if you've been paying attention to I don't know online discourse. If you, if you had brain rot and you were uh, you were you were uh, keeping track of Ben Shapiro's Twitter. Yeah, because because if you don't know, that's what that was all Ben Shapiro. Is I don't know. I, I just kind of off the cuff, just a yeah, bunch you'd of. Just be knowing about the region. I just of the be sea. knowing about the ocean. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have it pulled up right here. I yeah. didn't pull it up right before we started rolling. Because Disney Disney launched a new trailer for uh, their live adaptation of The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Right? And um, at the end, you see that Ariel, the main character, is um, a black mermaid. And it's like, it's crazy because we knew about this. We've known about this for, I want to say, the better part of a year. Mm-hmm, like, this mm-hmm. casting decision came out a while ago. And it's like, obviously, right. they made a stink about it. But it wasn't like a crazy stink. But now, now that we have concrete evidence, people are going crazy. So crazy, in fact, as to fucking paint over her skin <laughs> yeah. and make her white and post that on Twitter. It's like, dog, for all the people that claim to be uh, colorblind, yeah. it's crazy how not colorblind they are it's right just, now. I just think it's fucking insane to, it's like, I don't want to call it fan art, obviously, but I don't know how else to describe it. Racism but to art. Ma- to make fucking white supremacy fan art yeah. of the black Ariel where you paint over her skin to make her white, that's fucking nuts. Like, yeah. that's actually nuts. And I saw I saw this take, because people were getting banned, I think rightfully so, yeah, you for can't doing be that, timeline, right? Because yeah. that's just racist. It's flat out racist and people were defending them by saying yeah. what so you can make a white character black but you can't make a black character white now <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid dog it's like if a black person is cast in a role that is traditionally held by a white person that's fine but if yeah. you find that out and then you paint over the actress's <laughs> skin to make her look white you're fucking insane that's a little nutty you're that's crazy. a little nutty come on now you gotta go outside and, and it's- I, I love the fact that they're bringing up like scientific arguments because they know that they can't just say I don't want black people in films as if it's not a fairy tale right it, as it's if not it's real. not literally Mermaids a fairy tale like we, we talk about this all the time like when people get mad it's like this isn't real this is another layer of not real yeah it's a mermaid musical yeah, and it's like Ursula's like purple or whatever. Yeah. You know, like the main villain. Oh, yeah. The crab talks. Yeah. The, the <laughs> crab speaks English and has a Jamaican accent. Like who fight none of it's real. Poseidon, the Greek god, is like her dad or yeah. something, right? Or maybe it's something else in there. I don't know. I haven't watched like, Little Mermaid in a minute. And it's like the argument here is simple. It's just when you have underrepresented groups in media, uh, there's a benefit, a utilitarian yes. benefit that you can measure associated with including them in more movies, TV shows, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, me- media outputs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. There is no disadvantage to white people <laughs> when you have a black person take on a traditionally white person's role. There, there's no negative yeah. I don't know, feedback that comes out of that except racist people that like to cry about them not and having roles like, anymore. And it's like there's a legitimate discussion that you can have about like quote unquote woke policies that mm-hmm. Disney is engaging here. You can have a legitimate discussion about 
this being like um sort of a tokenization versus yeah. real diversity yeah. in the hiring process at Disney. You know what I'm talking about? Right. I hope I'm conveying that in this little no nuance conversation right here, but there's real criticism you can make that but you can't make it if you're a conservative. Yeah. You you can't say Disney's doing this woke practice. This isn't real diversity if you also think that uh you should be able to say the n-word when you're white right. and you also and think that like, black people aren't real. They're people. making that argument because and their answer to that, their solution is don't have black people in this movie. Exactly. But our answer would be like, well maybe we need to take a look at how Disney actually acts other than just within their movies and see if they're actually being inclusive in those regards. Maybe we need to look at the entire staff that's working on the movie, the yeah. people that are um, in the in the C-suite at Disney, the people that are making more executive decisions, the managers at Disney, rather than just one race swap, which I don't have a problem with. Right. I Just keep in mind, I do not have an issue with Ariel being black. Yeah. I'm just saying that there there is a layer to it that you can critique when you talk about like identity politics versus actual material benefit right you know i feel like a lot of the time corporations like disney will just include a black character so they can avoid negative commentary from progressives oh exactly because then they can just say like look we're being inclusive without actually taking any steps to really be inclusive of their workforce or the people yeah. watching etc cetera, etc cetera. they can it's make just up, a quick um, profit for them it's it's easy for them to do things like this to hit their like arbitrary diversity quota right, for characters right. and films that they've made up rather than ushering in real diversity and again their hiring process and the creative decisions behind mm-hmm. these things and it's like you could you could have the take that well i feel like if they want to make ariel black they should reimagine mermaid to have more of like a cultural like they mm-hmm. be more of like a black you know what i'm saying you right. know what i'm saying yeah but you and, can't say that as a conservative and i feel like the like the movie a lot of the live action adaptations that disney mm-hmm. does they're decidedly bad oh yeah like objectively <laughs> just bad productions but not because black people are being included but because i don't know they're just like their workers are work too hard or you know the creative teams are just bad at coming it, up with this stuff i don't just, know like look awful it's, yeah like, they just look awful the trailer looked so dark and despite for no reason despite all that i guarantee little mermaid's gonna get like a billion dollars at the box it's office. just like the like, lion king yeah the yeah. lion king remake was fucking awful it was so bad but it looked looked kind of pretty kind of i'm pretty sure it's like the eighth largest grossing movie ever made yeah <laughs> so yeah. like like huge these movies they're clearly bad they're clearly just pumping them out for profit but they're still wildly popular yeah be mad that they're like creatively dry yeah that they're creatively dry that it's gonna be a bad movie like all of the other live action remakes don't be mad that ariel's black now exactly exactly <laughs> get us out of here roll the intro Welcome back to Head in the Office, everybody. I got to issue an apology at the onset of this episode. We're going to be talking about a lot of things uh, that people are doing that are just straight up evil. A lot of vile things. Um, And sometimes the analysis is going to be a little lacking because we're just, you know, staring down the barrel of uh, evildoers. There's there's not much nuance uh, going on with this week's news. (laughs) It's it's pretty cut and dry. You're either on one side or the other. Uh, There's not much of a nuance take to to offer here. However, we we did change up the soundboard a little bit for this week's episode mm-hmm. we've got mm-hmm. an exclusive topically relevant uh-huh. soundbite exactly that will be thrown out there look forward to yeah, that. yeah stick around for the whole episode to hear that one um <laughs> today we're going to be talking about a little bit of human trafficking just a little bit a little, little bit of human Tiny trafficking a little bit of uh, not related to matt gates's human trafficking though Oh, yeah, no, not the same thing. It's another instance of human trafficking connected to the Republican Party. Uh, you know, Ron DeSantis just being cruel for the purpose of being cruel. Exactly. Uh, we're going to talk about trains today. Lots of discussion of about trains. trains and capitalism and unions. Running trains, we trains got a, running on time. We, we got a section of Beyond Parody that I have not seen yet. 
No, 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 no. That Gage is put in the show notes today for us. Uh, and we also have an update on a nationwide abortion ban. So Love make sure it. you stay tuned for all of that. But before we get into the episode, I'm going to remind you all, go to headintheoffice.com. Use code HITOBOYS, all capital letters, for 15% off. Uh, not going to last forever. It's not. Get in there. Get it. Get it while supplies last. Get it. Got it good. Also, go to our Patreon, YouTube. I'm going to say something about YouTube really quickly. Oh, no. Look. Our YouTube's been doing well. You know, yes. we've had consistent growth over the entire year and a handful of months that we've been doing this. Yeah. But I know many of you listening right now, statistically, are not subscribed to the YouTube. Oh, bro, I know diving it. into the analytics. I, I know <laughs> it because we, we track our analytics. We look at how much our episodes are being watched, downloaded, listened to. And I know that some of y'all are not subscribed. That's crazy. Go subscribe. That's crazy. Just throw a, subscribe our, a subscription our way. We'd really appreciate it. But also check out our TikTok. You probably came from there. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, Hitto Extras, and P.O. Box down in the description below. That's right. It's all there just for you. P.O. Box will be here till like October because exactly. that shit is low-key expensive. Uh, also, another way to help the show is you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and we've got two to read today. If you go leave a review, we'll read it on the show, give you a special shout-out. First one is 10 out of 10 would rate again by David J 202 They say, an hour with the bros. This podcast is like chilling with your cool political friends who are way hotter than you, yet still manage to have far more nuanced points than our brother in Christ, Tucker Carlson. (sighs) Perpetually panicked David, a homo socialist econ major from Missouri. Missouri? Missouri econ major? That's that's Josh Hawley State. (laughs) Nah. Nah. Second review here from, uh, from... it is enjoyable. That's the name they put. Oh, okay. uh, subject line, this econ major approves another econ uh, that's major. That's nuts. Twofer. That's a twofer. It hurts how many people do not understand how the economy works at all. Finally, you two give me some hope. With my new degree and this podcast as extra support this Thanksgiving, I'll have more confidence when my uncle prays thanking God for Trump to reinstate and to reinstate him as president. Yes, those are his prayers to speak up. Having rational logic rational logical voices like yours is what we need love from pennsylvania and let's hope to swing blue no that's vile that's vile imagine imagine your christian nationalist uncle sits you down at thanksgiving dinner and everyone can we please say grace mm-hmm. and then just starts mm-hmm. praying that god gets the socialists out of office and gets Trump <laughs> back in there and then he goes on to talk about how corporations are evil and how they're being too woke and, then, and how yeah. and then he goes on to talk about how big labor is actually really bad <laughs> for the economy, as we'll talk about in the next segment after human trafficking. Yeah, we gotta get into some human trafficking. Uh one of the biggest news stories this week, most insane, one that we've actually been following pretty extensively. Of course. I feel like we're one of the few uh big reporter boys. news outlets oh, that have yeah. been reporting on this since it came up in the news months ago. Um, but as a running joke, we've been saying that racism gets it done. Real. You know, we talked about it months ago, uh, two weeks ago. That was our intro talking about Greg Abbott being racist and getting it done. And once again, we have another instance of a, of a racist doing what he said he was going to do. That's right. Because this week, this story has hit national headlines of Ron DeSantis shipping 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard by plane as a part of a political stunt uh, without giving people at Martha's Vineyard really any forewarning at all. Fucking nuts. Bef- before we get into it, I just want to put a price tag on this political stunt mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis did. It cost $500,000 to send these 50 people to Martha's Vineyard mm-hmm. just for the plane, just for like the plane. Yeah. It cost $500,000. And not only that, but back in June when Florida's like some act passed that allocated money for the budget, yeah. he's dedicated 12 million dollars of taxpayer money i know we got a couple of you in florida of taxpayer money your taxpayer money 
to dedicate to shipping migrants to, quote, sanctuary cities and states like Martha's Vineyard. For no reason other than Ron DeSantis just doesn't want brown people in his state. No facts. Once again, Republicans Not even a border state, mind you. (laughs) Not even a border state. Republicans are once again surpassing our expectations as to how fucking evil and cruel they can be. Like, it's actually nuts. What does Florida have to worry about when it comes to immigration? Cubans swimming over? (laughs) Exactly. You're not a border state. You're not a border state. Come on. There's an ocean between you. I know, like, you're a southern state, and people that come in on the southern border naturally will go to southern states as a part of them immigrating into the country. But get over it. You don't get to just be racist and do human trafficking. And out of that $12 million that he allocated to these stunts, he said he's on the record, just on news outlets saying, and I will spend every last cent of it. Mm -hmm. That's wild. That's wild. Dude who rails against $15 minimum wage, dude who rails against like any good policy ever Mm -hmm. that would cost money, wants to blow $12 million to get nothing done. Ron DeSantis, who has been systematically cutting taxes for wealthy people in Florida, for the entire tenure of his governorship. And now he's spending $12 million of taxpayer money to get immigrants out of the state that would probably just take low-income jobs that nobody wants anyway. Conservatives like Ron DeSantis are constantly railing against Democrats for their tax and spend policies, for being deficit hawks, for constantly ushering forth all of these bills that just waste money when here he is wasting money on political stunts and he's being praised for it by right-wing media this is fucking insane let's be absolutely clear when republicans say that they want to like mind the deficit and they don't want to tax and spend as much as liberals do they're absolutely lying. lying every single politician wants to tax and spend every single politician wants a big state a big government they just want it to serve their political ends again mind you the last budget surplus federally was under bill clinton in like 2000 yeah or like 2000 or 1999 whatever his last budgetary year was and then trump tripled the deficit obama no, was trying to get there trump added like three trillion dollars to the deficit pre-covid mm-hmm. pre-covid trump hit record high when it comes to the deficit, so that's something to think about. Mainly, something for your uncle to think about at Thanksgiving cuts that dinner. He wanted to pass, yeah, exactly. Uh, anyways, getting back to the story here, Ron DeSantis, like I said, he sh- he shipped by plane fifty migrants to Martha's Vineyard. If you don't know, Martha's Vineyard is this small island in Massachusetts that a lot of liberal elites have yeah, homes on. It's like a rich liberal community. Yeah, for like exactly. Their vacation homes and it, like Obama lives there. Yeah, exactly. Has a house there. Um, the way he got immigrants to get on this plane was he told a bunch of undocumented immigrants that there would be food, jobs, and housing awaiting for them when they got there. Um, and they also, I think you said before the show, they had to like forge documents. They forged documents with like they told them because they obviously don't have addresses because they're undocumented. They needed addresses for something so they told gave them the addresses of local homeless shelters and told them to do something with the ICE offices that are the closest to those fake addresses that they had to forge they also had to lie on other government documents to get them on these planes to ship them out and to do this whole stunt which is fucking insane and I feel like that's a felony if you or me did it Right. That's a felony if we did it. Yeah, no, it's absolutely fucking insane. And then the reason, I know a lot of people are going to be sitting here thinking, like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, there's, like what, what could possibly be the justification for this? The reason that Ron DeSantis and other members of the GOP, because it's not just him, and we'll get to that in a minute, are doing stuff like this is because, and this is their justification, mm-hmm. Biden has an open border policy. And if liberals want to keep the border open, they're going to, quote, bring the border to them. Yeah. That's the justification. Yep. Which doesn't make any fucking sense at all. No, literally, especially because on top of this, what uh, some 2,200 migrants have been uh, bussed from Texas to New York City. Mm-hmm. 200 have been bussed from Texas to Chicago. And Abbott bussed 100 to Washington, D.C., specifically on Kamala Harris's yeah. doorstep. Yeah. Greg, immigrants are not coming from the southern border to personally try to seek asylum at your mansion, yeah. at your governor's mansion. That's yeah. not what's going on here. 
And that's why this is particularly disgusting is because they're not actually getting immigrants to different places in the country because there's actually job opportunities. Yeah. They're using them as political tools to dunk on liberals and make, I don't know, send some kind of message as like, ha, you can't just keep an open border yeah. on us and expect us to roll over. Like It's I'm, fucking dumb. I'm sure you've seen all the memes going around this week. Like conservatives just keep sharing these yeah. memes that are like, oh, the Martha's Vineyards guests um, saying last year that they'll welcome immigrants and that immigrants are okay, but now no trespassing signs going up at Martha's Vineyard. Now they're deporting them out within 24 hours. Yeah. When that's just not what happened no. at all. Like they're again, just lying. Yeah. No. And like, you may have seen the memes that they were posting and saying like, look, now they're kicking them out of Martha's Vineyard because when these immigrants arrived, the 50 immigrants arrived at Martha's Vineyard, there was no warning. Right. Yeah. Unnoticed. Like it, nobody not at unnoticed, Martha's Vineyard, but... nobody that lives there, nobody that works there knew that people were coming there mm -hmm. at that time. Ron DeSantis only told NPR so That's that it. it could be reported on. That's it. But when people arrived, a bunch of people jumped into action and provided bedding and food and housing for everybody that and arrived. resources because, to get jobs. Right, because, you know, as much as we may disagree with liberals on tons of things, they aren't fucking emissaries of the devil. <laughs> they So they jumped into action and they helped these people. And then, I don't know, a few days later, the next day, whatever it may be. They provided be, them all with food. They right. catered them with food. They set up beds for them right. so they could sleep. They spring into action and they did something for these people because yeah. they had basic empathy and human <laughs> compassion. Uh, but then the next day or whenever it was, uh, the undoc undocumented immigrants had to leave because those aren't temporary arrangements. You can't just stay there. You can't just stay there. Nobody One, was ready for like, that. Conservatives like, why don't the Obamas open up their 10-bedroom mansion for uh, conservatives for these immigrants to live in? Mm -hmm. If they're so pro, oh, the oh, Biden's open border policies, that's not how it works, dog. No, that's, that's not, not how, it works. how it works, dog. No also, one is forcing the working class people on the southern border to house immigrants themselves. Right. Immigrants aren't being bussed into your local suburbs and made to sleep in your house. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not what's going on. That's not what's ever gone on here. A small island like Martha's Vineyard doesn't have the infrastructure to mm -hmm. even deal with immigrants of any sort. It's an yeah. island, a rich island in Massachusetts. No, and that's, that's my exact point here is that there are federal processes for immigrants, undocumented immigrants mm -hmm. that come across the border to eventually gain citizenship or some kind of visa or whatever it may be. There's federal legal processes for this to happen. Yeah. And Republicans are always the ones that are complaining that immigrants are coming across the border undocumented and wreaking havoc on our country yep. when they are they are purposefully subverting the system that would allow these undocumented immigrants to be lawful citizens mm -hmm. or just be people that are lawfully here. They are the ones undermining the system they claim that is so bad when it's undermined. Crazy. It's ridiculous. It's fucking crazy. Absolutely ridiculous. And the only reason that Republicans would ever send them to a place like Martha's Vineyard or the doorstep of mm -hmm. Kamala Harris's Naval Observatory is because, one, you're racist and you want to use Absolutely. humans as political tools. Because, <laughs> let's face it, people coming across the southern border are disproportionately black and brown people. Yeah. That's just the case. And number two, again, you want to dunk on the liberals. They think, for some reason, in this political environment, this is a win for them. Which oh, is wild. Yeah. They Ted Cruz is getting on everywhere. Just they're they're all posting memes about how the, the rich liberals at Martha's Vineyard deported the immigrants within twenty four hours and sent them to a military base. Cape Cod in Massachusetts, yeah, by the way. They sent them to a military base because a military base is a place that can actually deal with something mm -hmm. like this and get them set up with the documents that the governor of Florida curbed. And mm -hmm. lied about can get them set up with places to actually become a citizen because these weren't any ordinary like immigrants that crossed the southern border. These were people from Venezuela seeking asylum. Yes. Yes. For, which is a whole other conversation to have. Yeah, which which we'll get to a little bit later. But like the thing here is that a bunch of Republicans, their narrative here, which was clearly devised before they actually did anything, they knew exactly yeah, what oh, they wanted absolutely. to say. The narrative, as soon as immigrants arrived at Martha's Vineyard or in DC or whatever it may be, was like, oh look, liberals love it when there's open border policies, but once immigrants arrive in their towns, they get all 
all upset. Yeah, li- Nobody was upset. Liberals love it when you, the working class people, have to mm-hmm. deal with these immigrants, but they're just going to kick them out when they show up at their doorstep. Which is wild, which is an insane amount of projection because wealthy <laughs> neighborhoods are going to be disproportionately Republican. Absolutely. It's they're, Martha's Vineyard's like the exception. Right, exactly. Like wealthy people are more likely to be Republicans and Republicans are more likely to want to kick immigrants out. It's all projection. <laughs> Every everything that has to do with this is just all projection. And they were saying shit like, wow, now the immigrants are in your neighborhood. You want to kick them out? It's like, no. Everyone there yeah. was like, well, let's help them. Yeah. Not a single person was pissed off that there was immigrants there. They were more like horrified. Like, what like, what the fuck is did. going on? Right. They were fucking appalled because they're like, what are you doing? Like, obviously, I would be fucking shocked if I woke up at 7 a.m. just to do whatever the fuck I'm doing as a rich liberal. Go tend to my garden or something. Yeah. And then a bunch of 50 people just show up <laughs> yeah. that were not there before. 50 people that probably don't speak English that well that were told that they're going to have jobs and housing when they land. That's the wildest part is that they were lied to i've seen i usually don't like like holocaust comparisons yeah, right because yeah. it cheapens the holocaust but i've seen people people have compared it to like jim crow policies but people are also talking about how they lied to them they told them there would be work and shelter here and then they bust them to a part of the country where nothing would go on and you have to think about the intent here you have to think about what mm-hmm. conservatives thought was gonna happen conservatives thought and they hoped they hoped honest to god that these liberals would treat the immigrants horribly yeah they hoped that the liberals would call the fucking police onto martha's vineyard right. and make a whole show of escorting them out and kicking them out onto the streets but they didn't right and when they don't yeah. they still lie like they did anyway yeah because think about their logic here Ron DeSantis and whoever helped them orchestrate this evil fucking plan knew that wherever they arrived there wasn't going to be jobs there wasn't going to be housing yeah the logical extension they is that we're shipping these people somewhere where they're not going to be able to survive. And it's because like, they don't give a fuck if immigrants into this country that are coming from war-torn countries or coming from poverty or expa- escaping violence, they don't care if these people just die in the gutter. No, they don't. They don't care if liberals are the ones doing it or if they're they, the ones they doing it. They fucking hoped don't care. that these people would die yeah. in the gutter at Martha's Vineyard. Because one, promising, like, what jobs at Martha's Vineyard, dog? I don't even yeah. know if there are real jobs at Martha's Vineyard. Right. I always thought it was just like a rich community. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there's boutiques. But come on now, that doesn't have yeah. the infrastructure. I I guess the only thing I could say is that Martha's Vineyard declaring themselves as a sanctuary city for immigrants is corny. But what can you expect from liberals? Right. You know, like that's just a corny thing. That doesn't mean you should fucking traffic people <laughs> exactly. to Martha's Vineyard. And that's the whole thing here is that I think they were trying to dunk on sanctuary cities, right? They were. Um, and it, obviously it didn't work. Because, yeah. like, actual sanctuary cities, mayors of sanctuary cities were speaking up. They're like, yeah, send immigrants here. Like, w- uh-huh. that's the whole point of being a sanctuary city <laughs> is that we're not going to deport you if you are here illegally because we are human beings yeah. with compassion yeah. for other human Which beings. Which they didn't deport them. They exactly. brought them to a military base where they could get the help they need and actually undergo the real legal process of seeking asylum. Uh-huh. Exactly. Crazy. Um, and there's a there's a couple of things here I wanted to bring up uh, that we've kind of already touched on. But first, I don't know why Republicans think doing human trafficking is going to help them in the midterms. <laughs> this is clearly a political stunt. Yeah. Like, without a doubt, they're trying to form a narrative here, some kind of message. I don't know why they think this is going to help them. And maybe I just don't have, like, a pulse. I haven't talked to, like, anybody about this. I yeah. haven't heard anyone other than Jeremy. Like, I haven't, oh, talked yeah, about, yeah, yeah. I haven't talked about this with anyone. So I don't know how, like regular non-political podcasters feel about this i don't i don't think republicans well like their base might be like yeah that was pretty cool but i don't think people are really gonna care because unfortunately in the united states i don't think very many people care much about immigrants that's how i was starting to feel too yeah 
Like, I, I think that, you know, the liberals and people that pay attention a lot to politics, people like, you know, us leftists, uh-huh. they're going to care quite a bit and be like, well, you are evil. Be like, are, this is this, insane. This is an act of evil. <laughs> Morally reprehensible. Um, but I think a lot of Americans that are typically far away from the border just don't fucking care about people, yeah. especially like just general poor people that are even like, Americans. Most that aren't even in the Rust Belt. Like, that's yeah. not an issue that's going to swing them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but also, as you mentioned before, a lot of the migrants, at least a couple of them that were on that plane that Ron DeSantis sent to the north mm-hmm. uh, into um, Martha's Vineyard, were from Venezuela. They were yeah. freeing Venezuela. And if you don't know, Venezuela is a country that has struggled a lot economically. I think right now they're basically like a dictatorship. The U.S. has it's struggled with coup attempts in yeah. Venezuela. The you United know States how that goes. has tried to run several coup attempts in Venezuela. It's not a great country to be right now. No. A lot of people are fleeing from Venezuela uh, because it's not a great country to be in right now. And Venezuelan refugees actually have a special status for seeking asylum in the United States. Mm -hmm. And Republicans are always going on about how, like, Venezuela is an evil communist dictatorship, which is obviously a misleading narrative. Um, But they're always going on about that just to use Venezuelan refugees as a political tool. It's the same thing they do with Cuban refugees. No one ever talks about Cuban refugees being a nuisance. You know what I mean? But they're not from the traditional Latin America, the continental Latin America. Yeah. yeah. Um, Also, I've seen some people say, like, this might just be a felony. Like, this might just be illegal. (laughs) How can it not be? (laughs) They lied on documents, like federal documents. Well, like, beyond that, I know, like, this is just an evil act in and of itself, Uh even if it didn't violate any law. But some people were saying, like, I'm pretty sure this is against federal law. Like, you can't just do this. Because also, it's like the, they had no choice but to get on the plane. What else right. are you going to do? Get fucking deported? Yeah, we should round up a bunch of MAGA supporters and send them to Venezuela and say, we're actually sending you to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> real, <laughs> yeah, real. Just to see how they like it. Also, second thing on this, and I've said this before, this is this comes on, or this entire ploy is built on the basis that immigration is somehow bad. Yeah, This isn't true for a number of reasons, but Republicans think that it is. They think for any number of reasons that immigration, people coming into this country that are non-white is somehow bad for the country, increases crime, increases poverty, increases violence, whatever, whatever. That's what they think. Yeah, They think that immigrants coming across the border are bad and dangerous. They think they're all MS-13 exactly. gang members. So how is sending them to Martha's Vineyard or sending them to D.C. where the vice president is, how is that not like the an, vice act, president's house. an act of terror? You know what, like, how is that not an act of violence against them? If you think they're so evil and bad, how is this not, like, <laughs> trying to harm people? It's it's just fucking wild. It's wild. And also, there was, like, there was, like kids there, you know? Like, Children. kids on the buses, Children on the planes. Captain America shirts. Right, wearing, like, MCU Nuts. t-shirts. It's just, Nuts. it's so inf- fucking insanely brutal. And then also, another thing is, like, I fully support creating a, a network or a system that would support immigrants coming into the country and get them to wherever they want to go for job opportunities, food, housing, etc. Like, getting them anywhere in the country. Yeah. I support that. That sounds great. But I know Republicans don't support that. Not how they're doing it. <laughs> because I, I know that they don't support that because they just want people out of their state. They just want less non-white people in their state. Exactly. They want less non-white people. They want less non-white people in the country. And they want to just give blue states, blue cities another problem to deal with. Yeah. Because obviously these cities in the middle of the country are not going to have the infrastructure to deal with mass immigration events like that. Right. You as a border state are supposed to be able to deal with that. That is a part of your responsibility as the government of a border state yeah. to set up these security measures, to set up the measures that actually help people undergo these federal processes. New York City doesn't worry about that and shouldn't have to worry about that. Right. Neither should Chicago, because those aren't the issues that these places face. Right. And no, that was that was going to be my next point, is that 
you're you're a border state. Like if you are the governor of Texas, uh-huh. you ran for and signed up for being the governor of a border state. Mm-hmm. You are going to deal with the problems associated with being a border state. <laughs> Just like I don't know, a city that's on the coast like California, New York, you're going to deal with problems associated with having to have a lot of ports yeah. for imports into the country. <laughs> You, based on your location, you're going to deal with different problems. Regional issues. Like Michigan, we have to deal with issues related to our lakes and the maintenance of our lakes. Who'd have thought? But we're not, like, sending lake water elsewhere like you fucking deal with this. Yeah, you fucking go purify this shit. Right, like, we're not... That's ridiculous. Exactly. That's ridiculous. We're not. What's that one invasive species in like Lake Michigan, like the Asian carp or something? We're right. not sending Asian carp out to other lakes. Like, actually, you guys go deal with this. Can you believe the uh, open water policies of the EPA have right. let this invasive species into Lake Michigan? Right. <laughs> like, we're not. We're not sending water to California. Who, you know, California experiences lots and lots of droughts, and we're like, wow, yeah. you're complaining about not having enough water. Purify it yourself. Exactly. Are you fucking kidding me right <laughs> like, now? That's ridiculous. <laughs> It's like, it's so absurd. It's so absurd and it's so insanely cruel. The cruelty is literally the point for them. Oh yeah. They just want to be cruel to be cruel. It's nuts. It's nuts. And I just, it baffles my mind that they wanted these people to have a bad time. Yeah. These people, these children, kids were with them. It's like when we covered this shit, like last year, Mm -hmm. there's Fox News. They couldn't, they were trying so hard to run this anti-immigration segment, yet the B-roll they were showing is like abuelas crossing a river. Right. Old people and and kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, nuts. No, it's it's actually fucking insane. And then of course, this is all this is all founded on the the real context that the United States doesn't have an open border policy. <laughs> we don't. We we haven't. And we I mean, I don't even know how long we've been like this. For most of Biden's presidency, but, we ran the same policies as Trump. Yeah, we've been using the same policies as Trump. We were a little Trump. nicer. For the last several decades, the United States has had the same policy on immigration, which is being excessively brutal to people trying to come across Taking the border. seven to like 14 years for people who actually do it the right way somehow to actually get citizenship. Right. And now, instead of it being kids in cages, it's, you know, like young people in holding facilities. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just watered down because now liberals are it's doing the liberal it, version and basic liberals aren't paying attention to these kinds of crises anymore when it's still the same thing mm-hmm. famously kamala harris has <laughs> had to say when she was speaking to what like at a conference in like guatemala she was telling people to not come i over. think i think it was, or guam it guam, was in guam yeah. she she famously said do not come i'm gonna come, come baby. <laughs> do not come <laughs> it's insane it's insane that they actually think this like they just want they just want people to suffer the cruelty is the point i know oh my god bro speaking of speaking of cruelty Speaking, oh, speaking, of, of speaking of the bad ways that people are treated, we're talking about we're talking about trains now. We're talking about trains, we got to get into a little bit of train news, if you will. I love railroads. Uh, Maybe we'll have some model train enthusiasts in yeah. the chat that can just be all up on this. We're, we're talking about trains and unions, uh, just like last week. We talked about the labor unions a little bit. This time, we got to talk a little bit more about labor unions. This time, it's a little more Rail bleak, workers. isn't it? What do you mean? Last bleak? week, like, oh, I guess last week was just legislation. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I feel yeah. like these talks are ultimately kind of bleak. Yeah, no, it's Spoiler not. Spoiler alert, I think there's going to be a strike in like two weeks. It's not looking very good, but some context for you all, uh, because you may not think too much about our rail network and rail workers in this country, but you're about to start thinking about you're, it. You're about to be thinking about um, it. Anytime someone mentions the supply chain, you're going to be like, oh, exactly. shit, yeah, the trains. Wow. So, you know, supply chains in the United States, very important for getting goods across the country. You know, we're a big country geographically, but we mm-hmm. also have quite a few people. And the operation of trains for moving goods and resources are literally vital for the survival through uh, the survival of our economy. Oh, yeah, literally moving agricultural resources. Mm-hmm. moving pesticides, moving food, moving antibiotics yeah. to get across the country. Anything that you need 
uh-huh. trains, baby. Yeah, with without our network of trains and subsequently train workers, rail workers, mm-hmm. for those trains to operate, the United States economy would functionally collapse. Oh yeah, I we think wouldn't it's something have like anything. I think it's something like forty percent of all goods and resources are moved by train in the United States. Crazy, which is insane. And by the way, this is true of truck drivers, uh, port workers, maintenance workers, and a lot of other groups too. If we didn't have those workers for our essential infrastructure the country would fall apart mm-hmm. and we would cease being an economic powerhouse we'd probably cease having an economy to begin with we'd probably a lot of us would probably cease living as antibiotics would no longer get across the country exactly so, yeah. no, like they are they are some of the most essential workers a in the pillar country. a pillar of yeah. society yep and now negotiations between the railroad unions so the workers uh, and the two largest rail companies in the country which are bnsf railway and union pacific they've uh, they've been having negotiations for quite a while now uh-huh. and the unions have threatened to go on strike if their demands aren't met They've been negotiating since 2019. Mm-hmm. Since 2019. Yeah, for several years, uh, and especially during COVID, the workers had been receiving a lot less in terms of compensation and benefits, that kind of thing, while being expected to do a whole lot more. And they hadn't, I've seen testimony that they haven't received a pay raise at all during COVID, mm-hmm. despite them having to work more, uh, work more hours and have less available to them. It's fucking so. insane. It's fucking insane. Sizes of crews have decreased specifically. You know, I got some stats right here from laborstats.org. Mm-hmm. Over the last 40 years, railroad workers have halved going from 430,000 in the 80s to 200,000 today. Yeah. Class one railroads, the companies with annual revenues over $900 million, employed fewer workers this January than any month since 2012, falling below even the early pandemic slump. Railroads have cut as many as 35% of workers in some titles over the past several years. Overall, there was 160,795 Class 1 rail workers in December 2015 and only 114,499 by December 2021. Which is which is nuts, especially in the context that our economy continues to grow. Yeah. They're expected to do more and more. Oh, Especially since crazy. the 80s. Like, think about how much our economy has grown since 1980. These rail workers yeah. are still doing just as much, if not infinitely more work and, than they and were. And with more economy comes exactly. more things to haul on trains. Exactly. Specifically, individual freight trains were hauling, on average, 30% more tonnage in 2020 than in 2000. Yeah. That's crazy. There's less people to do more work. It's fucking so, nuts. So now that we've set the context, you can imagine there's reason for these workers to be a little bit upset. They've even been trying to cut down crews that actually run these trains from two-man crews, which already seems fucking dystopian, mm-hmm. to one-man crews. Yeah. What? For our essential infrastructure. Um, but uh, uh, to make matters even worse, workers have even been penalized for just taking time off the job to do things like spending time with their families or dealing with illness or being in the hospital or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, some workers have said, or, or I guess like it's just commonplace within these rail companies, that they operate off of a point system when it comes to their attendance. Crazy. So the more days that they miss, the more points that they have, and the more points you have, the more likely you are to get fired or face some other kind of discipline. So it was... In, very dystopian for them and also it just didn't allow them to have time with their families because they're working 80 plus fucking hours a week exactly again at bnsf workers who already have irregular schedules were forced to start working on call after already having inconsistent days off mm-hmm. working many days in a row being called in at wildly different times and on top of that workers had no paid sick days None. and can barely take off the time that they had to earn in the previous year uh-huh. as a railroad worker you have to earn your time off in a previous year most of these guys like i know at amtrak 30 days off a year yeah on average like a regular like nine to five worker with weekends off and a two-week vacation has a hundred and eighteen uh-huh. days off a year and even that feels like it's not enough oh yeah like it's not let's be real yeah 30 days off you're fucking kidding me 
right? Under the new system, as one worker described it, after taking off a Saturday and Sunday together, you would have to work weeks or months straight with no days off to dig yourself out of that hole. Fucking insane. What? And like, I already hear the argument coming our way. Why don't they just get another job? I already hear The trains wouldn't run. Yeah. (laughs) The argument there against that argument is that Sure, individuals can go and get another job, but you need somebody to fill those roles exactly. and nobody should be subjected to this. Somebody has to work this shitty job because again, getting to like the meta conversation of this all, there is no free labor market. Uh-huh. When there are people in this country who are starving and food insecure, there is no free labor market. They need to work to survive yep. and someone has to fill these positions. Therefore, companies can get away doing whatever the fuck they want. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's a system based on coercion, but all of this all of this led up to the threat of a strike and I hope you can see why by mm-hmm. this, at this point quality of life for workers had been decreasing over time over several decades and especially during covid pay has been abysmal with no real raises while the two companies that we're talking about here pulled in record profits at six billion dollars a year each again each. speaking to this i have more more fucking i want i have two excerpts from later laborstats.org again okay. about this the first one job made unbearable for the workers who remain psr has transformed their jobs for the worse workers have fewer days off and even more irregular schedules than they used to. Longer trains are harder to operate and more prone to derailments. The railroads have cut back on inspections. They have deferred and outsourced maintenance that was traditionally done by union workers, and they are continuing to push to reduce the crews of these even longer trains from two Mm -hmm. people to one. All in all, the railroads have created a crisis. They've laid laid off so many people that many of those who remain consider the situation unbearable. Workers report that some of their co-workers have already quit before retirement, and many are looking for other jobs. Action that were once unheard of for highly desirable and steady lines of work like this. Mm -hmm. Glassdoor, a site that lets workers review their employers, released a list in 2020 of the worst companies in the U.S. to work for. Three of the top five were Class 1 railroads. Insane. The second excerpt, flush with cash. And yet, because of all the cost-cutting measures measures and sleight of hand, like stock buybacks, more on this below, Mm -hmm. financially, the Class 1 railroads are performing incredibly well. For instance, Union Pacific reported in the fourth quarter of 2021 that it had cut costs and posted a 23% profit increase over the previous fourth quarter, even though its on-time delivery performance was down, fuel prices went up, and it had staffing shortages. Mm -hmm. From 2011 to 2021, Union Pacific sliced its operating ratio, which is expenses over revenue, from 70.7% to 57.2%, a lower ratio meaning higher profits. Its stock price and dividend payouts quintupled and it cut its workforce from 45,000 to 30,000. CSX went from a recent high of 36,000 workers in 2006 to 2,500 workers in 2021. In those 15 years, its stock price rose a staggering 1,526%. Dividends went up 1,850% and operating ratio dropped from 78 to 55. Class 1 railroads are enriching their shareholders by funneling money into stock buybacks and dividends, mechanisms that companies use to put more more money into shareholders' pockets. When a company buys back some of its own stocks, the shares remaining in the market are more scarce, so their value increases. Uh-huh. Artificial increase. Union yeah. Pacific alone spent $8.2 billion on stock buybacks in 2018 and $5.8 billion in 2019. Mm-hmm. That's fucking insane. insane. These companies are eating themselves, and this is what I wanted to demonstrate here, capitalism's tendency to fucking eat itself alive uh-huh. and devour itself. It is a self-devouring ideology. The, the mindset that you always need growth, no matter 
matter once and you need to constantly increase profits year over year or you're a failure is is a mindset that you will you will devour yourself uh-huh. they are they are fucking yeah. killing their workers they are squeezing their workforce drive what little workforce they have left for a worse product they're delivering a mm-hmm. worse service trains are not running on time like as on time as they used to derailments yeah. are happening more often the conditions for these workers are worse the trains themselves are just worse yet they're yeah. saying more profits this is going against a core tenet of neoliberal capitalism what the fuck is going on here yeah no exactly yeah and it's it's absolutely insane that because the rail network in this country is partially subsidized by the government right it's yeah. an essential infrastructure that we need in order for the com- the country to operate why would it ever be partially privately owned what's the point what's the point of having it privatized yeah. when we see that the actions of a private company here the government doesn't do stock buybacks people yeah. The government doesn't need to do stock buybacks. They don't need to increase dividends for shareholders. They don't need to appease shareholders by having right. more profit year over year. Everyone fucking loves the USPS. The USPS is great as a postal service. It runs at a loss, or at yeah. least it has historically for a while now. There are more reforms coming through. But anyway, that could be the railroads. And we also run on an infrastructure that you need. You need trains to arrive on the same day. It is incredibly tight, our supply chain. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to have derailments. Derailments cost the cost the economy writ large a lot trains running off time cost the economy a lot yet it's okay when a ceo is making more money from that Mm -hmm. because they decided to uh shit on their workers and make them work like as if they were slaves yeah and like when it comes to supply chains and the reason that supply chains are so weak in the united states so Mm -hmm. prone to just getting bulldozed over and then stalling the economy for like three months is because a core tenet of capitalism when these supply chains are partially privately owned is eliminating redundancies And that can be good when you're trying to maximize profits because you want to cut down on costs as much as possible. But when it comes to strengthening supply chains and ensuring that, you know, workers can take paid sick time off or trains won't get derailed or things won't get fucked up in any other way, you need redundancies. You need things that will cut into your profit margins. But when you are privately owning railroad companies, you're want to, you want to reduce redundancies as much as you can, which means increasing profits, which also means people are going to be more unhappy and you're going to have trains running late and it's just going to be a shittier service. It's overall all. worse. Yeah. It is strictly overall worse. This should be a national system. Yeah. I don't understand the argument for it, especially when we have clearly demonstrated here that the privatization is making the service worse for everyone. Yeah. It is costing us money and now we're at the point where it's going to cost us $2 billion a day when the railroad workers go and strike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy crazy and it's like even even in an industry like railroads you have the railroad labor act yeah they can't go through um typical like union processes to strike right. like other industries they're they're subject to stricter regulations if they want to strike they have to completely exhaust a list of redundancies yeah. to go through it and they also have to have their strike to prove the only reason they've been negotiating for three years since 2019 because again railroad um you railroad union contracts don't expire they yeah. only have amendments and the amendment process has been falling through and it's made its way all the way up to the federal government so much so that they can actually maybe possibly go on strike now uh-huh. it's uh-huh. nuts it's got to be really bad by design for workers for them to be able to strike right. yeah no absolutely and with the threat of of economic collapse on the horizon as gage mentioned if the workers do go on strike that's about two billion dollars a day out of the economy which is really bad not only for politicians that want to get reelected, but also yeah. just for you know average for american everyone, citizens especially and when business it's owners the too. rails and you're going to start to see store shelves dry up yeah exactly so uh in the face of potential economic catastrophe biden's white house decided to step in 
an attempt to mm-hmm. uh, reach a deal between companies and unions. Um, specifically, though, it was Biden, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, and Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh. They all locked themselves inside of a room with negotiators for like 20 hours or something, and eventually they came to a deal. And the deal is pretty bad. <laughs> kind of awful, actually. Yeah. They get one of the things they wanted. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's in the deal specifically? Okay. First thing, uh, 24% raises and $5,000 in bonuses in a deal that's retroactive to 2020, mm-hmm. which means that a lot of the workers or just all of them will receive back pay of up to like $11,000 or something like yeah. that. Uh, because, the, again, the bonus is retroactive, so that's pretty cool. But, again, this is in the face of no raises at all. Ever. For the past several for years. For a while. For, yeah, for a very long time. So I guess this is... um. They're just getting what they're owed at this point, I <laughs> guess. They're it's, maybe matching inflation. Probably right. not even, though. Right. It's not even that this is that big of a victory. Um, unions, they were asking for, the unions were asking for 15 paid sick days off. <laughs> Listener, I want you to, to take a moment and guess what the counter offer was and what they landed on. Just take, just take a moment to yourself. Just take a little, take a little time to, to think. They were given one paid sick day off. One. Crazy. One a year. That's fucking dystopian. Which is, it's not even like biologically accurate because when you get sick, it's more than a 24-hour period. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. You actually have to wait 24 hours until after you are done with a fever to go be exposed to other people or else you can transmit whatever gave you that fever. Your fever has to break for 24 hours. But, Jeremy, hear me out there. (laughs) That's why they're going from two-man cruise to one-man cruise. Oh, fast. Because then you can man the train with your fever. Limit exposure. Exactly. It's crazy because every other developed country on the face of the planet has some amount of guaranteed paid sick time, Mm -hmm. like a minimum. Yeah. Every single company in their country has to reach. The United States doesn't. We also don't have paid maternity leave, by the way, which is also yeah. not a thing that they get in the <laughs> union deal. One paid sick day off? That's crazy. One? Wild. Like, you're going to be sick for more than two. Like, our bodies don't function on 24 hours. What if you get schedules. COVID? Yeah, exactly. What if you get, what if you get cancer? What yeah. if you need to go to the hospital? Yeah. Uh, well, to that, the company said, um, with this concession, if you could even fucking call it a concession, yeah. the company said that they would go easier on the attendance policy for unpaid time off. Uh, but I do not believe that. I for don't a absolutely believe that at all, especially because like the we know for a fact that they get one paid sick day, right? And we know for a fact that they're getting the twenty four percent raises. But a lot of the other stuff in the bill is obviously not released to the public yet mm-hmm. because it's also go to a union vote, so it still could be shittier than we think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and one part of the deal, which I don't even know if you can call it a deal at this point, uh, <laughs> is just strictly worse. So now they have to pay 15% of their health care plan. So premiums are going up for them. Right now, they pay about $230 a month for health care, uh-huh. which represents about 12.6% of their plan. So this is just strictly worse for them. A health care plan that they can barely fucking use, yeah. by the way, because they can barely get the time off to go to the doctor. And if they do somehow get that time off, it's unpaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's like, I saw I saw some news outlets report that the union was just asking to keep the same insurance plan. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't even think that they could get a better insurance plan out of these negotiations yeah. because they were asking for, like, two weeks of paid sick time they said, and they thought that was already what? too much. If we give you one sick day, we're going to have to up your costs exactly. somewhere else. we got to make that money back. It's fucking penny-pinching. Penny like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. But they don't need to because they're making $6 billion in, in a year. record profits uh-huh. ever. Yeah. The highest profits railroads have made ever. Yeah. So now the question is, uh, are the unions going to support this deal? Um, at this point, obviously, there hasn't been a vote yet, and uh-huh. we don't know the entire or all the details of the plan. Uh, but if I had to guess, and I'm not trying to make predictions, probably not. I'd say a solid, like, 95%. I do not think the, like, rank and file are going to support this deal. Yeah. Especially because the main thing they were asking for is the sick days. Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter how much money you make if you can never go home. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Spend that money at all. Exactly. Like, I, it, it won't matter how much money you make if you just never get to use it, any it, of it. If I, if somehow we had $1 billion on the Patreon, but I had to stay here in the studio 24 7 forever for the, the rest of my life, the money's immaterial, yeah. Would not be worth it to me yeah. at all. Yeah, and it worries me that, like, Biden and a bunch of media outlets are spiking the football now because they've declared victory. Which is, f- yeah, no. Like, Biden that's stepped insane. in and said, like, we got it done. A bunch of media outlets are like, they reached a deal. Biden got it done. Like, a lot of the liberal They're media crazing. outlets are doing it. They're praising uh, biden but for the shitty deal there's no guarantee that it's done uh-huh. um and if i was a worker i would absolutely be voting no on this because 100%. you're not getting what you asked for 100 it's that and it's i i also just love the liberal commentary of they were they were in there for 20 hours trying to iron out this deal they were working so hard yeah they were this this politician and the ceo they were working so hard they ran uh-huh. out of coffee at the white house <laughs> that's how hard they were working can you believe that they ran out of coffee <laughs> meanwhile one of their wage slaves is dying <laughs> yeah. after 75 hours on a train during the on negotiations a train with covid waiting on his phone to see if they're gonna strike <laughs> praying that he'll get some time off Thanks. to go stand on a picket line instead of being with his fucking children at home <laughs> it's crazy it's absolutely crazy and a lot of conservatives have tried to frame this argument as like and like all of you that are on the left are gonna immediately cringe cringe at cringe. this they've basically been saying like big labor is threatening our big economy labor is threatening if, to shut down the economy you're lying as if as if like labor is the authoritarian <laughs> force here as if labor is the one profiting six billion dollars a year and then not paying what their bosses back like i don't even know what yeah the can you be- can you believe these workers taking money out of their boss's pocket right can you believe that right and like the the argument here the line of argumentation here is that like these workers are threatening the economy like they'd rather they'd rather upset the entire economy and hurt you know x amount of people than just go to work but hear me out why do you need to pay for your house payment when you can live on train it's facts (laughs) you could just live on the train but like beyond that railroad workers and for that matter all other essential workers are the economy yeah like they are the reason the economy exists and that's my that's my critique of this whole position is that isn't the point of the economy the point of like civilization Mm -hmm. to maximize human well-being right and if if we're not doing that then aren't we doing something wrong? Like we, we aren't here to profit. In fact, Mm -hmm. profit is kind of a new concept that has originated only a couple hundred years ago. This economic system hasn't existed for that long. And if we're not here to maximize human well-being, if we're not here to make everyone's life enjoyable or at least fucking tolerable, (laughs) then what are we doing? It's like, you may think maybe, maybe that's a little too communist for you. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe that idea is a little too communist, commie of a sentiment. That's too Karl Marx. Let me put it in neoliberal terms. Shouldn't this railroad company be doing everything they can for the labor market's sake and for market equilibrium's sake mm-hmm. to actually staff the railroad so that they can provide a good and quality service so that mm-hmm. theoretically that would bring in more profit right. rather than cutting corners at every single corner that they can? Right. No, you, exactly. You think. And it's like the view that like railroad workers are somehow going to hurt the economy as if they're the enemy here. I think that that view is misleading and wrong because like foundationally you're viewing people as cogs in a machine. Humans yeah, humans are not merely tools to be used to make the economy function. Yeah. The economy functions because humans are willing to make it work. And if like the economy will suffer if a strike happens, absolutely. Oh, yeah. We've made that pretty clear on the show already. But human well-being has to be prioritized. It's and like, if these workers aren't being treated well by the companies that they're working for, then those companies don't deserve the profit that they're taking. It's a, it's they don't a, deserve it anyway. It's a tricky but. conversation to have because you're going to have conservatives if and honestly when the strike happens within the next week or two. Mm-hmm. The economy is going to suffer. Obviously, we're going to be losing a lot of money. Shelves are going to start to get a little thin. Yeah. And that sucks. Like that does suck for the average everyday worker. However, 
however, conservatives are going to take this and they're going to spin it uh-huh. and they're going to say, you need to be mad at these workers for going on strike. You need to be mad at them because they're mm-hmm. trying to be greedy. When in reality, you need to be mad at the fucking railroad uh-huh. CEOs because they're not people. Yeah, I'm, I'll say it right now. Railroad CEOs, they are not people. Fuck railroad They're CEOs. They're fucking vampires. Me and all leeches. my homies hate railroad CEOs. No, absolutely. They're fucking leeches. There, there you go. Yeah, uh, oh, oh, oh. This is a yeah. right, baby. hood classic. And my second point here that kind of goes along with what I was saying before is that no union wants to strike. No. The best example of this would be like teachers unions and professors mm-hmm. unions. They know how important the service they're providing is. They know that people are depending on them doing their job for their well-being to be maximized. Yeah. They know that other people depend on them to do their job. They never want to go on strike. And it's the like, only reason workers ever go on strike is because they have no other choice because they've been forced to the to a point where they feel like they can't continue doing their job unless things improve yeah. and they see ma- massive profits coming off of their backs and none of it going back towards them you should be mad at the railroad ceos for forcing them into this position to begin and with. it's not like the workers who are going on strike are insulated from the effects of the strike yeah their families are also going to experience the much tighter supply chain when they, they won't be strike. getting paid they won't be getting <laughs> like, paid they'll have to rely on strike funds that will deplete from the union the union mm-hmm. will then have to build those back up and they're gonna have to go through all these processes again mm-hmm. they're gonna have to worry about losing their job to scabs they are also gonna have to worry about biden breaking the strike yeah the last time railroad workers went on strike was in 1991 and george hw bush the big one the one that's slightly less of a war criminal Mm -hmm. he busted the strike after a day yeah after a day if biden does that that's gonna be rough oh yeah the dark brandon memes down the drain he's certified not cool anymore we're gonna be off of the dark brandon hype train (laughs) exactly uh but my last point on this before we get into a ben shapiro take and talk a little bit about how (laughs) republicans want to destroy the world is that even if even if you think that like you know capitalism is fine as an economic system even if you don't have like that deep of a critique the truth is regardless of what your ideology is workers especially railroad workers in this context create all of the value that is being extracted by Mm -hmm. capitalists and all the value that is being given to the economy and if their bosses aren't willing to that are if their bosses aren't willing to give them more of the pie more of the 12 billion dollar combined pie that they're getting every single year then yeah the bosses deserve to lose profit and the workers need to go on strike until their demands are met and it's it that simple. Like, it's a fucking social contract. Railroads represent one of the most fucking basic units of production, too. Yes, yes. Because nothing else, like a railroad strike, has tremendous downstream effects to every other fucking business mm-hmm. at all. You should always be in support of the railroad workers because they are the supply chain. And also beyond that, more theoretically, if you are a worker, which I'm going to assume every single one of our listeners are workers, yeah. or at some point have been a worker, their interests are directly in line with yours. Mm-hmm. You have these same interests as a railroad worker, even if you're not in like the railroad industry, yeah. even if you're just like a service worker at a bar, or if, if you, you just, don't... you know, work at, even if you work at like a fucking laundromat, you know, whatever your job is, yeah. your interests are fundamentally aligned with the war- interests of of other workers. Even if you don't actually see a um explicit material uh increase to your like a material benefit to yourself from railroad workers getting a, a 24% raise, you will see effects downstream mm-hmm. as a broader labor movement strengthens and maybe you eventually can get into a unionized facility and see your pay increase. Exactly. 
because a win for some of us is a win for all of us. Yeah. Uh, what was that quote? I think it's from Ronald Reagan, where he said, like, a rising tide raises all boats when he's talking about tax cuts specifically. Oh, yeah, of course. That works, <laughs> but only when you apply it to people that are in the same class as you. And by class, I mean the working class. <laughs> that works when you're not a demon. Yeah. And in hell. Burning. Yeah. The rising tide will rise the boats of those within your class, but it will not rise the boats of other people, just so you know. And also, just the fact that the strike is going to or might cause massive damage to the economy should tell you how valuable these people are as human right? beings and as workers. Right. Like if you think if you think they shouldn't go on strike because it might hurt the economy, then you are recognizing that these people's jobs are insanely valuable. And if they're not being what valued, then something is wrong there and something needs to change. And if it's not going to change just by them asking, they got to do something. And they got to do something drastic. Like we're, we're getting into the conservative narrative here, but it's it's been kind of confusing because I, I'm I'm sure you saw it. Newsmax mm -hmm. had a, a railroad worker on and they were pro-union. They yeah. ran like a small semi sort of pro-union segment because I assume it's because the guy had a fucking Blue Lives Matter Shapes Punisher, colors, baby. Punisher shirt on and like a fucking Blue Lives Matter flag in the background. But he got there and he was spitting this pro-labor shit. He was uh -huh. spitting the same shit that we're spitting right now. It's, yeah. it's it's beyond just like party when it comes to labor things. And I wish yeah, conservatives no. realized that. Yeah, no, a, a lot of the time our political rhetoric gets distilled into, you know, left versus right, Democrat versus Republican. But when you're in a union, especially like a, a blue collar union yeah. job, you're more than likely going to be working with people from the right and people from the left. Yeah. But your interests are still aligned because it goes beyond just political ideology. Mm -hmm. You have an interest as a class of people, as a group of people to improve your wages and your circumstances and your working conditions together because you're all exposed to the same environment. Yeah. You are all working in unison. It's not about ideology at that point. It's about class incentives. And it's like for, for all the shit that uh, conservatives and we talk about liberal elites, right? Mm -hmm. you, you're seeing these conservative elites, these fucking absurdly rich media pundits yeah. like Ben Shapiro and motherfuckers on Fox News come out against the union when when they've popularized themselves off of rhetoric like, oh, these liberal elites don't care about working class Americans. Right, right, right. Railroad workers are some of the most working class Americans. Yeah. They make the country run, dog. Mm -hmm. And you're actively showing up against them, calling them big labor, uh -huh. calling average everyday Americans big labor. Uh -huh. You're shooting yourself in the foot. But the people that listen to Ben Shapiro are honestly too fucking dumb to see it. Yeah, and, like, I know the, the point that I'm about to make is so wildly outside of the realm of anything that we can imagine as ordinary Americans yeah. or just people living under capitalism. But as a worker, since you create all the value, my opinion is that you are entitled to all of the value that you create. Wild thought. And you should be able to determine how that value is used. And if you want to use some of that to improve your workplace conditions, to have bigger mm -hmm. crews, to get paid more, to have some more sick days off, to be able to spend time with your family and be a human being, then I think you are entitled to do that. The person that's not entitled to the money that you produce is the person that's not on the fucking train or designing the trains or helping the railroads run. Yeah. And those are the people that are at the bargaining table sitting on the side of Joe Biden and the Democrats. Sitting and, and frankly, getting to talk with else. the president and exactly. getting to run through all the White House's coffee that night. But I want to get onto the Ben Shapiro take because okay, he had okay. a really funny thing. And I think this <laughs> perfectly outlines exactly what every conservative is saying. Here's a tweet from him. He said, the entire Democratic Union strategy is, number one, Unions spend billions of dollars to get Democrats elected. Number two, unions threaten to strike in advance of an election. Number three, Democrats force through an absolute sweetheart deal for unions. Declare victory. You pay for it. I, I just absolutely love how he's framing strikes like this one that's going to cost the economy billions of dollars when the economy is already a hot button issue right now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as some sort of 
thing that's politically advantageous for Democrats ahead of the midterms. Right. This is awful for Biden ahead of the midterms. Oh, yeah. Especially if and when they strike in a week or two, a month before the midterms, that's going to be awful for him. Right. Because everyone's going to start railing on the economy. Conservatives are going to start running ads like, oh, you see why your shelves and your grocery stores are thin? It's right. because of Joe Biden's policies. And it's like, if it gets to the point where railroad workers are striking for a day, two days, a week, whatever it may be, Joe Biden's going to be faced with a choice. Yeah. He's either going to break the union, which makes him look horribly fucking authoritarian. Which is bad. Very which bad. Which would piss people like us off quite a bit. Or he doesn't break the strike and the economy hurts quite a bit. This is one of the reasons that capitalism is incompatible with democratic, yeah. uh, with democratic functioning, with a democracy, is because you can basically threaten, you can veto any action of the government because mm -hmm. you can basically destroy the economy whenever you want. Oh, yeah. Because these railroad companies can make it as bad as possible for Joe Biden as they want to, and they can functionally get a veto, a legislative veto over anything that he does. Mm -hmm. Because they have the power to do it. They have the economic power to just force him through. And they're not democratically elected. Oh, absolutely They aren't not. chosen by the people. They they're just CEOs. happen to have all of the fucking money. Nepotism babies, most yeah. likely. It's yeah, a probably. railroad. Like, nobody's starting a mom and pop railroad and working their way up. <laughs> exactly. Working their way up yeah, to no. the big leagues. I just, I really want to run a class one railroad one day. Maybe I'll get there. Isn't there, like, four railroad companies? I think there's, the, like, five or six big ones. Yeah, five exactly. Or six like, it's ones. an oligot. Like, it's owned by the same few people. It's just like the airlines. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But exactly. anyway, it's like... A strike is a complete catch-22 for the Democrats in the midterms. It would be awful. Oh, yeah. Awful. And I don't understand how you could frame it in any other way unless you're just relying on your base to be just as fucking stupid as you. Yeah, I mean, the only people it might be possibly good for is, well, one, Republicans, because they can make the dumbass argument. Because then they'll win. Like, right, the, like, win the economy's bad, it's Democrats' fault. But also, like maybe like Bernie Sanders-type figures that will actually stand with the workers and wouldn't break a union. But he's not up for re-election, and like, he's not running for president. Like, there's nothing he has to really gain from this Yeah. other than him being like a, a decent good person. human being. <laughs> uh, but I want to take the points Ben Shapiro made in, in turn. So okay. he says, number one, unions spend billions of dollars to get Democrats elected. Why do you think that is? Because <laughs> it is true that unions typically donate to Democrats a lot more often than they donate to Republicans. Why? Simply, maybe, flashback to last week's episode, maybe it's because Republicans are pro-right-to-work legislation, uh -huh. which is expressly anti-union. Yeah. Maybe it's because Republicans have made it like a competition who can undermine unions the most. Yeah. It's like they do it like it's their fucking job. Like they got something to prove. You know Maybe what I mean? Because they say things like big labor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, he says unions threaten to strike in advance of an election. Unions have been striking for the past few years. It's been a pretty big thing. There's we had the Starbucks like workers, the John Deere workers. Strikes going on all year. Kellogg's workers. It's not something that's just happens to, it just happens to be around election time. It's not, it wasn't planned to be around election time. Yeah. It's They've been like, in negotiations for years. Hear me out. Maybe if railroad workers had an easier time and weren't union busted a little more than every other resource they could have striked a little bit earlier yeah <laughs> no exactly and, and they would have probably striked a little bit earlier but also like elections are every two years in the united states you can make this argument about literally anything uh -huh. like wow mercury's in retrograde right before the election <laughs> You're that's lying. weird come on now must be yeah. a democratic uh -huh. plot must uh -huh. be george soros and then number three he says democrats forced through an absolute sweetheart <laughs> deal for the unions dog one page <laughs> <laughs> One page sick day is a sweetheart deal for the union. That's crazy when coming asking, from a podcaster. They dog. were asking for 15 days, 15 days of, of paid sick time. And they got one. One podcaster to another. That's fucking crazy, Ben. <laughs> You're a pundit. I don't, I don't think you have any right to be talking about a sweetheart deal regarding one sick day. Like, Ben, we got the same class interests, my guy. <laughs> like, we are both podcasters here. You're talking shit. It's like, wow, they have to pay more for their health care and get one paid sick day. What a sweetheart deal. <laughs>
Republicans are working class, though. Maybe if they wanted sick days, they should be a pundit like me. Oh they my should be a rich God. media pundit. Just go get another job. Why doesn't every rail worker just quit and go get another job? Why don't they all just start their own business? Sell your house and move. Start a mom and pop railroad. It's fucking crazy, dog. <laughs> Republicans are working class, though. Absolutely. They're heroes of the working class. It's like, I hear, like, sometimes, it's like every few months, Republicans will pop up with the rhetoric again, talking about how they support the working class, right? Yep. They'll try to make this argument every few months, and then they just come out with the most dog shit, insane <laughs> take they can think of, and it blows up their whole narrative again. Because they try to do it over and over. It's and, nuts. And like, they do this with every social problem, really. Like, they'll come out and say, like, we're actually the real pro-LGBTQ people. We're the real, yeah. uh, we're the real like, Black Lives Matter supporters, but we just don't like BLM. Exactly. And then they say something insanely racist. And they're like, we should actually put gay people in concentration camps. Nah, nah, like, they, they come out, they come out, and they say shit like, actually, um, well, I support Candace Owens because she's not being used by the Democratic Party. She's not a token for the Democratic Party. Ironically, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying. And then they'll turn around and say things like, Patrick Riola had it coming. Yeah, nuts. Yeah, no, it, nuts. it's absolutely crazy. But just to round out this section really quickly, I just want to make the point again, reiterate, give you a little bit of socialism 101. True. Humans, they aren't just machines. And when we think of things like big infrastructure, like railroad networks or truckers or whatever it may be, these people are human beings that mm -hmm. have needs that need to be serviced. They're not just tools that deliver us our food or deliver us the resources that businesses need to operate. And this is one of the main reasons that capitalism, as an economic system, is so exploitative and evil. These people is because it, it relies on treating people as machines. It relies on providing profit to an ever-shrinking group of wealthy aristocrats while using human beings as mere machines. And that's 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 it's horribly alienating. These people are more than their propensity and capacity to make profit exactly. and have profit extracted from them for a railroad CEO that despises them yeah. actively. They have families that love them, people that care for them. They mm -hmm. have a body that body and mind that they need to take care of and right. be able to live with. Yeah. And it's like the core conflict at the heart of capitalism is that the capitalist or the business owner wants mm -hmm. to extract as much profit as possible while having to pay as little as possible, yeah. which means they want to keep your wages low and ring you for as much work as they can mm -hmm. while investing as little as possible in your workplace safety or your general well-being while on the job. And you as a worker have an opposite interest. You want to be paid as much as you can while still having time to do things like see your family. Working as little as possible, based, by and, the way. And, you know, being a, and it's not even like working as little as possible. It's just being paid as much as you can uh -huh. get while doing things like being with your children. <laughs> like that's what you want as a worker. And those interests are in direct conflict all all the time. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some people make the argument that that can lead to a sort of like social harmony, but I would completely disagree and say it breeds constant conflict and, and social unrest. Well, yeah, because that, that leads is to things like argument. strikes. That's that's the entire fucking market equilibrium ar argument. Mm -hmm. the, the labor market, it's going to operate in equilibrium with the free market and these forces, they'll eventually get there and we'll eventually right. reach this perfect spot where everybody's happy. But they won't be. Right. And they haven't been. Right. And the common argument there is that, well, we haven't got there because of state intervention. Yeah. And that completely ignores the point that one, the state is almost always in the corner of the capitalist when it oh, comes to this yeah. kind of thing. The 91 two, strike break. Exactly. And two, if the state didn't step in, capitalism would have already collapsed in on itself as an economic system. If the state didn't step in and offer things like unemployment or social mm -hmm. security or Medicaid, people that lose their jobs or that just don't have un or just don't have employment because there isn't jobs to fill would have just been cast to the side, mm -hmm. which would have led to massive social unrest, which would have either led to a social revolt and an overturning of the capitalist system, or we just would have regressed into fucking feudalism. Yeah. Like, if the state didn't intervene, capitalism would cease to exist. It's just just fundamentally, when you're talking about the labor market, again, I'm going to just fucking beat this point into your skulls. Uh -huh. You... you 
do not have a choice when mm-hmm. your choices are work or be fucking killed, mm-hmm. work or starve to death. There's no choice involved yeah. there. It doesn't work like that. You can't possibly have a free market. Yeah, and it's like beyond that. When it comes to that constant conflict, that constant war between interests of the capitalist class and the working class, like I said, the state is almost always on the side of the capitalists because look at look at what workers need just to mimic a fraction of the power of the capitalist. Mm-hmm. In order to get one thing through or to get one kind of victory, to get one paid sick day off, yeah. you need to come together and threaten to take away the profits of the entire capitalist class that you're working for. You have to have everyone come together in unison and say something just to get one thing through. The capitalists just have to snap their fingers and things change. Hundreds of thousands of you have to organize uh-huh. for years, have to give your hard-earned money for years to a union so that can represent you and that can also in of itself work and grind for more yeah. political power, vie for more power to eventually get a seat at the table, whereas the CEO just mm-hmm. gets to go in and have a meeting with Biden for 20 hours. Exactly. <laughs> like that's crazy. And that's, that's why crazy. The CEO representing the interests of 15 people. Exactly. Versus the union rep representing hundreds of thousands. When it's the union and the workers that are providing all of the value to begin with. Wow. And that's why socialists recognize that these class interests lead to constant conflict mm-hmm. and eventually just the destruction of the system as a whole or the enslavement of the working class because without fixing these systems or getting rid of them entirely, eradicating class boundaries, we recognize that profits have to continue to increase. And the reason that is, is because if a capitalist isn't constantly increasing profits, constantly outcompeting their competitors, mm-hmm. then they are at threat of being consumed. And, and if they are consumed, then they themselves become proletarianized mm-hmm. and they run the risk of becoming a worker themselves. That's crazy. And that's what they're truly afraid of is it's having nuts. to be in the same position as you. And railroad executives have defended their record profits in this case mm-hmm. by saying things like claiming their skyrocketing profits do not reflect any contributions by labor. Yes. That actually they have these skyrocketing profits because of risks that they took. Uh-huh. Risks like firing half of your fucking workforce right. over 40 years. Right. And like it's insane. It's it's completely it's completely in opposition to reality to say that labor does not provide value or doesn't contribute to value mm-hmm. in any way. It's a blatant fucking lie. The only reason that value exists is because of labor and that's why good socialists like us understand that if we eradicate these class boundaries get rid of the capitalist class so that everyone is of one class those conflicts disappear and we are all working towards the same ends because we all have the same interests as as a class, as a group of people as a whole. And that's not to say that problems would go away. Mm-hmm. We still have issues that we have to contend There's with. There's always going to be social inequality. Yeah, There's always going to be fiscal inequality, right. monetary inequality. However, as good socialists, I want to work to just decrease it. Mm-hmm. I, I want there to be as little as possible. Right. Because whether you like it or not, whether you're anti-capitalist, pro-capitalism, don't have an opinion, whatever you, whatever you think, the workplace is a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. When you enter the workplace, again, through no choice of your own, you are coerced into doing it because dying is not a viable <laughs> alternative to not working. When you are forced into the workplace, you have no control over what you do with your labor, how your labor is applied, when you show up to work, how the revenue is distributed. Mm-hmm. You have no choice over any of that. You are entirely at the will and generosity of the person that's working above you. You're, you have no you choice. You have to completely submit your fucking yeah. body to this fucking dude who got there because his dad owned a company before yeah. him. And our ideology is that Let's democratize that system. Let's make it so the people producing the value are the ones that get to decide how the workplace runs and then apply that to the entire economy. Let's democratize Mm -hmm. everything the same way we do with our political systems. Why is it that we recognize that one person, one vote is so important for political equality, so important for democracy, but we don't apply that same reasoning to the economy as a whole? Yeah. Because if if democracy can only work if everyone has the same power, what is the economy if not a dictatorship? 
At that point, if it's not if it's not democratized, what is it if not authoritarian ran by the people with all of the power? And we we hate authoritarianism. We yeah. constantly conservatives constantly rail against it. J- Dark Brandon, Joe Biden, he's being an authoritarian right now yeah. by making you do mask mandates. However, it's okay when the company does it. Exactly. We're not gonna rail against that, although they do a little bit, but exactly. you know what I mean. You get the sentiment. All in all, y'all, profit comes from labor. If there's no labor, there's no profit. If capitalists, the greedy capitalists that are literally mm-hmm. doing none of the labor aren't willing to give you just a little bit more, a few crumbs, because I saw estimates that it would cost something like $600 million to give every rail worker 15 days of paid sick time off each year. Crazy. Which is like, what? Like less than 10% of their profits. Right. Which is such a minuscule amount. Like you have to fight so hard just to get a crumb. Mm-hmm. And if they're not willing to give you that, then yeah, they don't of get to have profit. Profit, mind you. Right. Profit is always purely extra. Mm-hmm. That's after- That is after CEOs have been paid. That's after everyone's been paid. That's after all the maintenance has been done. After everything for the year has been done and accounted for, that is what's extra. That's the money you made. And you're telling me that can't be reinvested in the workers? Right. Instead, that has to be reinvested in buying a couple more train cars. So actually, these workers have to work harder to make the train run a little Mm -hmm. bit less on time and further disrupt the supply chain. But it's okay because the capitalist is doing (laughs) it. Yeah, exactly. Nuts. And it's like, if we want to, if we want to have an economy where some the most essential workers are still doing their job and they feel like they're not being treated right, then yeah, things got to change. And people are probably going to suffer because of it. Yeah. But that's not the fault of the worker that's not being prioritized. That's the fault of those with all of the money and power to change the conditions that the workers are exposed to. Blame the CEOs. Uh-huh. When when railroad workers strike and you, God forbid, see bare shelves at your local grocery store and you're, you, you're like, oh, fuck, they don't really have all the food that I want. I'm going to have to like settle for this. Mm-hmm. You should be fucking angry at yeah. these railroad CEOs. You should fucking hate them, yeah, honestly. Exactly. It, is, it is morally correct to... To dehumanize railroad CEOs and right. despise them. It'd be like it's like if um if a Supreme Court opinion came out that was absolute dog shit, right? Like like right. usually happens. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of being mad at like um Clarence Thomas, you're mad at the clerk that like turned in the newsletter exactly. to the to NPR or exactly. something. You're mad at the leaker. Right. You're mad at the leaker who leaked Roe <laughs> exactly. instead of being mad at all the conservatives that took away a fundamental right to abortion. Yeah, right. Like like the leaker is the one undermining our institutions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We're bringing it full circle now. Anyway, uh, railroad companies are awful. Stand with the workers' solidarity. If they That's strike, right. um, I hope it goes well. That's right. And while we're while we're speaking of votes, I got I got another crazy vote coming through in a Uh-oh. special school board edition of Beyond Parody, baby. Oh. Beyond Parody. Let's get right into it. So in Glenn Youngkin's Virginia, the soggy cookie himself, Glenn facts, Youngkin, facts. a Spotsylvania school board voted to offer a man with no educational experience a position <laughs> as the division's <laughs> superintendent. Dog, conservatives are so good at just doing the axiomatically wrong thing. <laughs> like they will find the most unqualified person possible and give them like the biggest gun they can find. But it's it's funny because like normally like an unqualified person is just unqualified, right? Like compared to the baseline, like a guy yeah. who had the position but here's some background the guy who had the position before him in january four of the seven school board members who all coincidentally cornily identify themselves as mm, conservative it's a mental disease voted to fire the previous superintendent notably the now fired superintendent had been recognized as regional superintendent <laughs> of the year as well as having teacher of the year awards so this guy was like celebrated yeah yeah okay. he was celebrated nationally recognized <laughs> yeah. A nationally recognized figure. A great educator. And they fucking got rid of him. Probably because he wanted to 
BLM Antifa, you know? He was like, hey, maybe the kids should read about Martin Luther King, and maybe they should know that the KKK was actually bad. He said, hold on a minute, guys. I've noticed the Atlantic slave trade is missing from our history curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should probably work to change that, the right? The British Empire was good, though. That's BLM Antifa. That's, That's what BLM Charlie Antifa. Kirk told me, yeah. And so to fill the vacancy, the chairman of the school board decided it would be best to hire a new guy named Mark Taylor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you may be asking, how do you find a guy that has never been an educator before and determine that he's the best person <laughs> to be the superintendent of a school district despite not having any educational background whatsoever? He'd probably, like, beat the shit out of his wife, right? Like, that's probably the criteria. Anyway, it's because Mark Taylor is friends with the chairman of the school board. Oh, my fucking... It's nepotism all the way up and down. It's just, like, the entire Republican Party, every single conservative at every single level is just a corrupt asshole. They're, they're always railing against meritocracy when it's a black person getting a leg up to, like, curb historic When it's a black woman playing Ariel as Little Exactly, Mermaid. exactly. Or when it's a kid getting into college. Yeah. Like, when it's when it's uh, some black kid getting into college, even though he didn't have a 1600 SAT score and a 4.0 GPA. Yeah, and it's like, the previous superintendent was too woke, and by too woke, we mean that he recognized black people were humans. Exactly. Like, the, like exactly. wokeness is just being black. <laughs> like, that's what that is. Wokeness BLM Antifa. Their relation goes e- relationship goes even further than like just being simple like buddies. Okay, you know what I mean. Mark Taylor actually served on the board of directors for the chairman's company, Emerging Stars. And not only is this dude wholly unqualified for this position, but the only public service that he's ever done is as the Spotsylvania County Attorney and Administrator and as an administrator in Greene County, Virginia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the conservative majority of the school board fired a guy who was extremely fit for his position Mm -hmm. and gave it to someone who who the chairman is extremely close friends with, a conflict of interest, if there has ever been one, Mm -hmm. and who's only ever held office as a conservative political entity. Wow. That's It's it's the liberals destroying our institutions. It's the liberals destroying our schools. That's exactly what I was about to say. But education is only political when it's communist teachers Mm -hmm. wanting to teach kids that, hey, maybe white supremacy existed and still exists today in the form of, like, institutions. Yeah. That's when education is political. Education isn't political when you hire a conservative who has never been qualified for a position to run a fucking school, who has never worked (laughs) with kids before. An entire school district. An entire school district. That's fucking insane what a slap in the face to every teacher and educational administrator in that fucking district in the entire country this is like it's i can't decide if it's like just the same or worse than florida saying that anyone can be a teacher as long as you served in the military yeah no i mean it's like it's just as bad and there's no there's no wonder that there's such a a massive lack of teachers throughout the country right now is because we're just slapping them in the face constantly And by we of course i mean conservatives that are fucking insane hiring people that are clearly not qualified for positions to hold positions that you know govern thousands of students potentially how is this guy gonna run a school and it's interesting because when you like read about the case in order to like actually get his license to be a superintendent the school board had to um recommend him to the state of virginia's Mm -hmm. board of education Mm -hmm. and he had to meet three requirements to be able to get his license the first requirement was um he needed to be recommended and voted in by a school board the second requirement was some bullshit thing that i can't really remember but the third requirement is the one that got me Mm -hmm. right the third requirement says if you don't have an educational background you need to have been at least like uh in the c-suite of a company for three years beforehand what the that's 
what I'm saying. How does that qualify you for because, any because government? Because it's, it's leadership. Oh my God. You showed a leadership. God. So one of these railroad motherfuckers, if they got voted in in Virginia, they could just be a superintendent. Look, to be a superintendent of the school, you have to have successfully run a drug cartel because that represents good leadership. Exactly. And it's like, I hadn't seen anything about, I didn't do like crazy research into this dude's background because I'm sure he's a dickhead. Oh yeah. Like, I don't think I, you need much to see it's that like this It's like a 100% chance. Obviously yeah. a dickhead, right? But I couldn't, didn't see any like actual like C-suite experience. And I'm wondering, this is purely speculation on my point here i'm wondering if his leadership experience was his um term on the board of directors uh-huh. of his friend's company you know That's what i mean nuts, dog oh my god conservatives love insane. just finding the most unqualified person they can possibly get their hands on and then giving them one of the most important positions they can find right like for no reason other than to, to just like destroy the infrastructure that exists there oh my god i know yeah i know it's fucking ridiculous and i guess this this is just another reason and the big one reason why i wanted to highlight this this week is it's another reason to please go out and vote oh yeah to please state and local elections are so fucking important uh-huh. as you can see here honestly sometimes state and local elections can be more important than federal elections mm-hmm. it's crazy look at this shit you know this is this is thousands of kids that will be impacted by this children trying to learn that this yeah. dude this dude is very clearly unqualified to govern over <laughs> it's absolutely this insane. school board is unqualified to just like run yeah oh yeah, so my goodness make sure you get registered to vote uh 2022 elections coming up very quickly that's right you got like a month and a half maybe yeah. if that Get involved, get registered to vote, um, make sure psychos like this don't become your superintendent. <laughs> and if you're in this like district in Virginia, um, Godspeed. That's wild. Godspeed. I know we have some like high schoolers that listen to the show still. Yeah. So uh, Godspeed. It's rough for you. Yeah, it's no, rough you're for having you. a, I'm a tough time. Growing up in this you. world, that's Whew. crazy. That's in Glen Youngkins, Virginia. <laughs> in Glen Young, the soggy cookie. <laughs> anyway, moving on to our last news story here. Um, I've got a little bit of news on abortion. A little bit of conservative infighting. A little bit of conservative infighting. Uh, Do you all remember, dear listener, close your eyes. uh, Not if you're driving. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. (laughs) Uh, But close your eyes if you're doing something where you can close your eyes. Exactly. And try to remember a time when Republicans were talking about how abortion's a state's rights issue, right? Mm -hmm. You can hear all the talking points in the back of your head. It's it's a state's rights issue. That's why the Supreme Court should never have decided it. Supreme Court should never have ruled on Roe v. Wade the way that they did. Yeah. Um, You remember how, how Republicans were talking about a state's freedom to choose <laughs> what you do with your body a state's right to choose yeah. what women do with their bodies i get it now okay uh, throw all of that out the window because <laughs> lindsey graham of the gop the republican party has introduced a bill in the senate to ban abortion at 15 weeks for the entire country and you may say oh 15 weeks that doesn't sound so bad compared to some of the other bills i've been yeah. seeing but first of all you tend to not know about viability at 15 weeks <laughs> so lindsey graham would i guess just force women to go through with pregnancies even if their fetus is not viable but also again the government should never be deciding what you get to do with your body's resources and it shouldn't be fucking lindsey graham who looks the oh, way he does wifeless not. lindsey graham deciding what you get to do with your body during pregnancy <laughs> fucking insane i think there have also been uh conservatives that have proposed like total abortion yeah, bans yeah. as well yeah. And again, abortion is a it's a safe medical procedure. And in fact, pregnancy is more likely to kill you than an abortion is crazy. But ab- an abortion might kill you if it's not done properly or it might harm <laughs> if, you if forever. You, if you have to do it by yourself in a back alley abortion style yeah. because you can't go to a hospital to do it because it's criminalized and illegal. Yeah, exactly. All bans do at any point is ensure that people will be harmed again mm-hmm. with the Republican Party. The cruelty is the point. Yes. The cruelty is the point. Um, And I know this. 
I know this because if you actually wanted to reduce abortion rates, again, as we've said many times, you'd invest in things like free contraception, better sex education, free prenatal care, free in-hospital births, uh, paid maternity leave, run back, uh, paid like sick leave, that kind of thing. whole summer's episode's a hit out to, exactly. get all, to get all of it. Exactly. But the GOP won't support that because, again, they're emissaries of the devil. Uh, enough ranting, though. True. I want to get into a little bit of what other Republicans have said. Some Republicans. So, so why were mom and dad fighting? Exactly. Exactly. Like our parents, the people that we love. Exactly. So much. Why were mom and dad fighting? Um, some report. Some Republicans have supported the bill. Some have said they want a total abortion ban. Mm -hmm. And Mitch McConnell and some others specifically said that it should just be dealt with by the states. They basically said, uh, Lindsay, don't give the game away too quickly. <laughs> Which is like politically, that's what they should be doing. I like when they fumble the bag politically. Yeah. I like when conservatives have bad political strategy. Yeah. However, they don't. And I think it's funny uh, considering Charlie Kirk's reaction that we're going to talk about here. Yeah. And Lindsey Graham specifically said, if Democrats keep the House and Senate, his bill on abortion will never get a vote. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good argument. So that bros, bros, campaigning. Make that, that's why I, I thought for like a split second, like I, like okay, I know how evil Lindsey Graham is. Yeah, this dude is fucking terrible. For, but for a split second, I thought, is he sabotaging the Republican like, Party? He's absolutely campaigning for the Dems in the midterm. Right, it's popular. Like, like abortion he, is popular. He's basically saying, if you don't want your freedom taken away, then vote for Democrats. <laughs> like that, that was his argument here. Um, but Graham, he apparently pitched this bill to help Republicans that are being accused of being too extremist. Yep. He's basically saying, like, if you don't want to be accused of being extreme, sign on to this bill, which still takes people's freedom away. Sign on to this bill, which will functionally limit abortion for yeah. more people since it's a federal ban. Yeah, exactly. But I think, what did Charlie Kirk say? Something along the lines of, like, this is election interference? He said, he said quote, Graham. Lindsey Graham, this is election interference. Why mm -hmm. would you say this right before an election? And then he he continued to reaffirm how pro-life he is, but this is bad political strategy, which, I mean, it is bad political strategy right. for them, but I love that. So his argument, uh, Charlie Kirk and probably other Republicans, their argument is like, we need to trick people before we pass and this see, kind of legislation. That's absolutely what it is. We yeah. can't let them know the legislation that we really want to pass. Which again, So we have to Trojan horse it in there. Again, it goes back to the point that if it's murder... How can you justify a 15 week ban? How is it not ever like how is you, it not the entire pregnancy? You never can. Exactly. You never can. If it's murder, then you have to have a total abortion ban because you're literally killing somebody the else. The only line that you can draw is at conception. Uh -huh. Like that's the only line you can even draw, ever draw. And even that, even that is iffy because it's, it's like shaky. why why doesn't life begin in the balls? Facts. If it's about the potential for human life. Yeah. Why? I think life begins in the balls. Exactly. I think you sh it should be illegal to jerk off. Exactly. Well, that and we should just hook up a machine to every man's testicles and harvest all of the sperm so they can all be made into children because declining birth rates are a big problem. That's facts. That's exactly. facts. And like speak speaking of abortion, little tangent here. I found this uh, really fun graphic uh, made by some Michigan conservative earlier today. Uh, you want to see it? It's okay. about okay. propositions that are going to be on the ballot. It's vote no on all three November 8th. Proposition three, reproductive freedom for all, would make Michigan the most pro-abortion state in the country. Fire. Let's go. <laughs> Fire. Absolutely. I've been encouraged to And then it says, it. it allows abortion up to birth, including partial birth abortion and the termination of babies that survive abortions, which I'm sure half of this is just a blatant fucking lie. Oh, yeah. Or just wildly stretching the truth. I think he's just making it up. Allows minor children to obtain abortion, sterilization, puberty blockers, and sex change surgery without parental knowledge of consent. Wait, That's on the reproductive freedom amendment yeah what? which is like okay whatever also, but fire to me i prop guess three prop three in michigan's a lot more broad than just abortion services it is right to an abortion but it's yeah. also right to prenatal care contraception uh like infertility treatments and a bunch of other things too like mm -hmm. it's not just abortion it's a yeah. whole bunch of other things that are insanely popular because again the state should not be restricting your ability to govern your own body 
This is this is one of my favorite bullet points okay. against this one, right? Eliminate prop three eliminates screening of women coerced into abortion. <laughs> what does that mean? I think um it would make illegal. You know how people set up they're not like fake planned parenthoods, but they pretend to be abortion clinics uh-huh. and they get women in there to um just be like, Oh no, you shouldn't get an abortion. What Chapo did an episode about it. We will take it. your child. When when the row stuff dropped, Chapo did an episode yeah, about yeah, it yeah. and they were talking about it. And there are people who will go out and be like, Oh my god, were you coerced by planned parenthood into an abortion and try to do shit like that yeah. for political stuff? So that's funny. Nice. And then it says As that, if it's not literally their side. It doing says that. that prop three re Removes health and safety requirements of abortion facilities. Rose is lying. Absolute fucking cap Bro, right there. Ma- I swear, conservatives like they have to think that everyone is lying, and that in their mind justifies them just making shit up. Like uh-huh. in, in their mind, they're like, "Well, everyone in politics is just making stuff up, so I might as well do it too." Yeah, like they they just lie, it's and so they funny. know that they're lying. It's so funny. And then, uh, tangentially related, but not related to abortion, just on the same uh-huh, document, uh-huh. I think it's funny. Prop two, promote the vote, mm-hmm, would make mm-hmm. us highly vulnerable to voter fraud it allows nine days of early in-person voting true less oversight more absentee ballots slash drop boxes true less oversight higher expense no state id required to vote true potential for non-citizens to vote it's already that's the law, what by that the way. means it's already the law allows public sources slash charities to fund elections potential for vi- financial manipulation parentheses zuckerbucks <laughs> <laughs> Zuckerbucks? Zuckerbucks. Wait a minute. but Facebook in, is going to no. fund the Democrats. In, wait a minute. As if Facebook isn't primarily a platform for conservatives uh-huh. to propagate their insane fucking uh-huh. conspiracies. Zuckerbucks, baby. But, but Prop 2, it says that, like, yeah, uh, private companies and also public organizations can donate to the funding of elections, but they also have to be, like, federally disclosed. Uh-huh. Like, that's the, like, you have to, di- <laughs> there's disclosure requirements because it's, you know, election spending. Roche is lying. I know. And then, and then the final bullet point against Prop 2 is establishes post-election audits can only be conducted by state slash local officials, denies citizens access to election records, potentially making it a crime to ask questions about election accuracy. Oh, my fucking God. They want to be oppressed so bad. Love that. They want to be oppressed so bad. Fucking love that. What did he have to say about Prop 1? That's the one on term limits. Prop 1, uh, voters for transparency and term limits would actually double how long representatives can serve. It increase no, I think it decreases it. <laughs> Actually, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It does. Okay. Here, they what they're saying reduces max length a lawmaker can serve from fourteen years to twelve years, yes. but would allow them to serve the full twelve years in one chamber. Yep. Since the Senate only has thirty eight seats and the House one hundred and ten, currently most House reps never make it to the Senate. Therefore, it actually doubles a sen- uh, state rep's ability to serve from six years to twelve years, and senators from eight years to twelve years, which I guess is the least lie of them all. All, right. But this is the most like kind of like pedantic bill. Well, no, know? yeah, it is pedantic because it's like term limits aren't being eliminated. And also a lot of states across the country don't have term limits on their state yeah, legislatures like, anyway. Okay, so... sure. Functionally, some representatives can serve for, I guess, right. six more years. And right. some senators can serve for yeah. 12 more years if they never want to move down to the House or never make it up to the Senate. Yeah. That's, Who was it, this dude? I don't know. My oh, okay. mom just sent it to me this morning. And I was like, oy vey. And, you know? and you were just like, this is all nonsense. Yeah, yeah. She's like, what the fuck? And I was like, this is, where did you find this? Bro, it's just lying on the timeline. Yeah. Crazy. And I bet he won't get banned for misinformation. Absolutely not. I love Zuckerbucks. 
Zuckerbucks. Zuckerbucks, if you want to start paying us, yeah. that'd be fantastic. Speaking of uh, Zuckerbucks, before we head out for this okay. episode, we got to give a special thanks to our patrons, the people who provide us with Zuckerbucks. That's right, baby. That's right. <laughs> so, special thanks to Cricket Scrapbook Layouts, Nikki Nine Lives, Caden Kraut, Lord T, Chris the Postman, Christy Beck, Talia Katz, 40% Spite, Andrew Harris, Mike Chaplinski, Mattias T, John G, The B-Plot, Omar Zeno, Clayton LaFort, Ash Fairblood, Mark Yeager, Sarah McRoberts, Derek Messina, Dylan B, The Mind Sculptors, Kaz, Caleb Joy, Jim Bobs, Carl D, Rich Toro, Tari, Gavin Mayer, Maldonado, Hunter W, Fergalaki, Max Vesquez, Jacob Rogers, Colton Mooberry, Fixer Punk, Jim Egbers, Megan Latow, Jeff Muzzy, Ted Cruz's Boy Toy, Bagel Burrito, and my mom. Let's Thank go. you all for supplying us with the Zuckerbucks we need to um To fund invest election in- misinformation. Exactly. <laughs> me when I spread misinformation. Me when I openly me lie when I on the lie. internet. Me when I use my Zuckerbucks for my patrons to go vote 30 times. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. If you all want to join this elite group of heroes of uh, That's right. Zucker, Zucker soldiers. Zucker soldiers, exactly. <laughs> then um, check out the Patreon. It's in the description. Thank you for listening to the episode. Uh, fuck the railroad companies. Uh, I think I'm going to make it a personal goal of mine in the midterms to go vote at every precinct in Michigan. Ooh, <laughs> to go, let's do to that. go cast a ballot at each individual precinct in Michigan. We could we could do a, a hit of log of us <laughs> going to every precinct and trying to vote. Exactly. And then like, eventually getting arrested. Walk up, oh my God, are you going to ask me for my ID? <laughs> <laughs> no no it's like it's like when steven crowder did the uh he dressed up as like a trans woman bit just to be obnoxious yeah yep. it'd be like us just being obnoxious to piss people off and then we just end up making fun of ourselves i love it I anyways love it. thanks for listening to the episode everybody have a, have a great week we're gonna we'll see you all next week you already know do not come i'm gonna come <laughs>